Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another inspirational people episode of the Share Life Podcast. Today I'm here with Nathan Dose, president at AGD Entertainment, an organization dedicated to educating, inspiring, and supporting musicians in their creative and professional vocation with coaching, training, and advocacy. Nathan and I originally met in our respective hometown of Flagstaff, Arizona. As Providence would have it, we both ended up on the East Coast with me in Atlanta, Georgia, and him in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Nathan is a former musician and a former band with his brother and now co-founder of AGD, and actually a past client of mine from many, many years ago, 15 or 16 years ago when I first moved here. (laughs) We both moved across the nation and transitioned from multiple entrepreneurial pathways, staying connected over the years along the way. In this conversation, we'll explore different facets of your musical and entrepreneurial journey. But before we do that, let's jump into your history. Nathan, tell us about you, what you do, and your unfolding story. Yeah, um, I think it. I think a lot of my story starts starts ends in music. Um, my mom was a musician, piano player, uh, and uh, songwriter. Um, and did worship music in our church. And uh, I remember uh, my older brother, Tim, who's a part of our company too, uh, he played the piano. My oldest brother played the drums um, and my dad played the drums. And so yeah. then uh, I so didn't want to be affair. like- it was a family affair. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and my older brother, Chris, started trying to learn the guitar. And I said, you don't get to, I get to learn the guitar. You don't get to learn the guitar. You got drums. And it was, and, and this wasn't like a, this was very serious for me. I felt it was very important to me that I had one that was mine. And I didn't think I could learn drums. I thought drums were his, piano was Tim's. So I get guitar. And my yeah. mom was good. And, and he was like, fine, man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not married like to this. <laughs> you're overreacting, but okay. You know, um, at eight or nine years old, however, however old we were. And, and, and what was, uh, yeah. was it, was the draw to music for all of you because of your parents or do you, like, it was baked in, you know, it yeah. was, uh, we had, we were homeschooled. So we had music, uh, hour where we got to learn and practice music and, uh, you know, and I think I spent probably a bit more time, Tim spent a lot of time too, but I think I spent a bit more time in my alone time and in my time doing the instrument or at least beginning to songwrite. And, um, and the funny thing was, you know, I would take guitar lessons after my mom had kind of surpassed what she could teach me. And I'd take guitar lessons and the guitar teacher would say, hey, did you learn what I taught you last week? And I'd say, no, but I wrote this new song using a little bit of what you taught me. And he's like, yeah, you didn't really learn it, though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, But I wrote the song. And uh, and so then it became pretty clear that I was more of a songwriter um, mm-hmm. than an instrumentalist. And so then starting bands and writing songs and and by the time I got through to high school I remember doing college prep English and really really upsetting my teacher because you know we wrote an essay on uh what we were most excited about for college and um I wrote an essay on how I wasn't going to college because I was going to tour in a rock band (laughs) (laughs) and uh 
and it was a really good essay. Yeah. <laughs> so he, didn't, he didn't know what to do because he was like, well, this is, I can't, I can't dock your grade. Yeah. For, you know, so that was a lot of my experience, you know, it's just like not, not just really trying to own my own space and, and do things my own way. And I had parents that really supported that. Like they didn't even bat an eye at me not going to college being a rock band and that's that's the path um and uh and then tim you know played bass in the band and he was a couple years ahead of me so as soon as he graduated college he went to northern arizona university in flagstaff and as soon as he graduated college we just went on tour so i got my education on on the road and and learning about how to run a band which is a business and so i learned how to run a business and market a business and so by the time I and got and, and so is there a connection yeah. between your writing and the strategic aspect of of that? Are you do you tend to be more strategic or or those? I'm definitely more strategic. Yeah, yeah, I I I really didn't learn how to be a very good songwriter towards the very tail end of our career. Like I I really I mimic a lot. Like I can see somebody do something and I can mimic it. I can just got I it. can do it. I go oh there's the especially in creative spaces. Like if, if, if I watch over somebody's shoulder, then doing Photoshop, I can like pull up Photoshop and, and pretty, pretty much figure it out. Um, which is a blessing and a curse because what it really does is it's that, that whole thing of Jack of all trades, uh, master of none, because I'm just mimicking, um, a lot and not, um, really developing the mm-hmm. skill set. Um, and so where I've really developed my skill set is in strategy post, um, you know, the band was all about how can we, how can we do this and get some attention and get people to pay attention to us. Now for us, we were in a touring rock band from 2007 to 2012 were our highest active years and uh yeah. if you know anything about the music industry that's yeah. when we were transitioning yeah. from demos. well i remember one time we met in atlanta yeah. during that time yeah and yeah. you were on a i can't remember what it was but it was like hey we're gonna do 200 shows in the next oh yeah nine months we or did, it was something like that yeah yep we were doing uh between 200 and 250 shows a year and one of those tours uh gas prices on the west coast were six bucks a gallon you know yeah. So it was a tough time to be a touring act and, and we really, we had some iron will and we had to get really, really uh, disciplined um, yeah. in what we were doing. So by the time I and did that discipline, was that something you brought to the table or did that come from outside of you? Or was it? No, I brought that to the table. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that is, that is my ethos, right? Like that is what drives me is yeah. uh is you know ride or die um i have no problem just laying it all on the, all on the table and yeah. and and does, and does that become it. a an achilles heel at times <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah you know uh, when no one else wants to do that <laughs> you know when you're like nathan we're all dead just... you're just dragging us along the ground let <laughs> <Right>. us go <laughs> right uh when it's like ride or die guys yeah we're, we're done writing death yeah. is the <laughs> let last us die. option uh and but actually funny enough 
the death of it, the, the letting things go. I remember when we finally, uh, you know, when I finally opted to move past the band, I, uh, one of my guitar players uh, had quit and was going to do media, was going to, and is now doing great in media, doing uh, amazing work for music videos and stuff here in Nashville. And I remember he said to me, he goes, you have to keep going because I know you're going to make it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, um, okay, I've toured the entire country. I've put out five studio albums. I've played pretty much every music festival uh, to some extent. Um, when do you make it again? Like, I, okay, yeah, I'm still paycheck to paycheck or royalty check to royalty check. But when do you make it? Uh, and, and I remember him saying, you have to keep going. And it was kind of like a, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> like <laughs> I can, I can quit. I'm going to quit now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so the quitting, it, you know, really, and then I spoke with a couple of other musicians who had transitioned out and, and, and they were like, you know, it's really, you're just, you've done it all. You've done it all. None of it hit the levels of success. Maybe you were hoping for, but there's no experience that you're going to have that's going to really light you up in a way that's like, oh, I'm, you know, because you just might not have that breakthrough where you're playing to 20,000 people. That just might not be in the cards for you. So it might be 250 people to 500 people a night for your shows. That might continue to be a grind. But you could, you know, you could keep going and, and, and there's no, problem with that but you might have you might have hit a ceiling barring a yeah. viral moment or whatever so you need to be okay with where you are and like this is making it and this might be as far as you go uh and you need to be okay with that if yeah. you're going to keep going and i was like yeah i am okay with that and i'm also okay with you know being done yeah. and finishing that time of my life so i don't think it, of it as quitting um, maybe that's just some wordplay for me, yeah. but I, I really think of it as finishing. I, I, I did majority of the things that I set out to do. Uh, what, was them, it a formal finishing? Like you decided no. to end or did it just kind oh, of yeah. fade away? Okay. Well, it, well, both because I had, I had members of the band leaving and, and I was forced to try and find replacements and that's where I just decided not yeah. to, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I had my marketing company for, um, from 2007 to 2014 and uh, I did end it in 2014 yeah. in the spring. And, and I, one of the things that, that was part of that was that, that, that I was doing at the end of it. And that I realized in retrospect was that I was learning to finish something well, what does it mean to yeah. finish well? And yeah. And, and in retrospect, one of the things that I also had to reconcile was exactly what you're saying. Like, is this the thing that I'm willing to give it to at what it is now? Yep. And if, you know, if I'm going to give all of something, right, if I'm going to, if I'm going to ride or die, is this yep. the thing I want to ride or die for, or is it right. not? And, and I couldn't get a, I couldn't say yes, enthusiastically. Yeah. And I realized yep. maybe this isn't it, you know, I don't know yeah, if that relates. And, and no, it does totally. And, and if you look at realistically where you're headed 
and mm-hmm. you stop lying to yourself, you stop lying to other people and you, and you gain some self-awareness um, around some things and, and, and look at your life realistically and you say, okay, barring something really special outside of my control happening, this is probably realistically where this is headed. And am I okay with that? And do I want that to be my life? And asking those self-awareness questions honestly and answering them honestly is so important so that you can move on to the next thing with a good disposition. The only thing that I regret in any of it is there were a couple fumbles in the transition, um, a couple of things that I did trying to figure some other stuff out and the legacy if it if you can call it that the legacy of the group um is a little bit scattered mm-hmm. uh, some some of the content was taken down some of the recordings were taken down to try and facilitate some other opportunities and so there is this kind of nagging thing in the back of my head and Tim and I talk about it and some of the other musicians and some of the other members who had participated we text about it of like cleaning that up right yeah. not for anything other than just for it to be there yeah um, well especially that, now that that, we, we have kids and stuff you know it's like yeah oh, that, well nice that idea was there. yeah the right. finishing part it's it's interesting yeah. because uh, I, I the thing that comes to my mind is when I shut down my company, there was a lot of closure that came through that process. And one of the things that I had done a lot when I first moved here is I actually film. I I wanted to make a short uh, a, a movie, a short film. Yeah, I remember. And that. and I filmed a bunch of it, and it was called Escape, but I never finished it. I I I didn't get all the footage I needed, and so when I was in this kind of finishing season, I I thought you know what? I can't finish the movie, but I can build a trailer. I have enough to build a trailer. And so I built this trailer and I pulled it together and it wasn't for anyone else. It was just for me to to close that door and finish what I had started at the level that I could. And that was very powerful for me. It's huge. Yeah, It's huge, especially if you're able to put the framework around it of what, what that means. And I think for, you know, in the spirit of talking about entrepreneurship and, and starting and finishing, I, I hear this a lot from uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs yeah. who say, I'm really just a starter. I'm not really a finisher. I, I'm great at starting things. So I surround myself with people who finish well. And I go, yeah, man, that's everyone. <laughs> like <laughs> no one's good at finishing things. Like finishing things is hard. So what you're saying is that you are like, when you say I surround myself with finishers, it's, it's saying, I want to, I want them to do the hard part and I'm, I'm going to try and just have the fun of starting things. And so maybe you get to the point as an entrepreneur where you've earned that and that's great. Yeah. But I started to find myself falling into that mindset. Oh, I'm a great starter. I have tons of ideas. I'm strategic. I can lay out a strategy plan and somebody else can go and finish them. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of coming back to this place where I'm like, no, like I have to finish these things and I need to finish them well because no one else it's again, it's the same ride or die. And like, I'm asking people to go lay down 
you know, for the, for the finish when I'm on to the next thing. And I'm, I'm having those learnings big again right now in my life of like, no, it's hard for everyone to finish. Mm -hmm. Everything's hard to like, it's easy to start things. It's exciting and fun to start things. Finishing things is hard. So I think being able to say, this is done, putting a bow on it. Yeah. And saying this is done is, is great, you know? Yeah. Uh, and especially if it's not everything you dreamed that it would be, especially yeah. if it's not everything you hoped it would be, that's maybe even more important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So t- how, tell us how <laughs> we transitioned from Nathan, the band's uh, guitarist to yeah. Nathan, the AGD co-founder. Well, you know, my life, I, I had a producer tell me that I had a lot of anchors when I was 21 years old. And, you know, I, my first marriage, I was married at 19 to uh, 26, I think. Um, and, uh, and so I did, I, I didn't understand what he meant when he said that I had anchors, but I, you know, I was married young. Um, I had a big family unit in Flagstaff. Uh, so everything was anchored to Flagstaff, which Flagstaff's a beautiful town, as you know, and, and that wasn't so bad until what I wanted to do just couldn't be facilitated there. Um, but all of yeah. my anchors were never going to leave. Right. And so for me, moving to Nashville or L.A. or New York was out of the question. I could visit when we were on tour. I could do some business trips and things like that, some writing, I would, I would come out to Nashville and write with people and then go back to Arizona. That's not what most people do. Most people move <laughs> to Nashville as soon as possible. Right. Oh, okay. And they don't have any anchors. So artists, pe- yeah. aspiring artists, they go, if I can make it to Nashville, I'm set. So by the time I got to Nashville, I'm a little older. I'm 20, 27, 28. Uh, I have no anchors at that time. I'm, you know, really, and, and I'm all music career at this time. I'm like, this is it. Like nothing's going to distract me from my music career, but Nashville's hard to break in, you know, and, and it was harder than I thought. And our successes outside of Nashville were, were, it was easier to find success outside of Nashville than it was in Nashville. But we, we did everything well. We rose to the challenge and got a name for ourselves in Nashville very quickly. But I realized, oh, I'm, we don't do this the way that other people do this. So that was, so we made it a name for ourselves and I started getting asked, hey, how do you tour? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, well, you're a, yeah. you're a, you're a well-known artist in Nashville. You've got to know how to tour. <laughs> No, nope. they didn't know there. They moved to Nashville, you know, a songwriter like, Hey, how do you, mm. how do you get, you know, uh, how are you making royalties from your music? Like you don't know about managing your own publishing and like copyright and stuff like, Nope, I moved to Nashville. And I'm like, but you're making money. Yeah. I have a, like somebody does that for me. Right. Like, or whatever. And they, and they didn't know. And so that's the, that's the light bulb moment. Of, yeah. Oh, all of my time working out of Flagstaff, Arizona, where I had no support from music industry professionals at all. Um, yeah. I think one of your questions is about mentorship. I had really very little mentorship, um, but I had the internet. Yeah. 
right? And uh, and so I learned everything myself and just realizing in like the 2013 to 2014 era, um, you know, artists still, it was like, if I can move to Nashville, maybe something will happen yeah. for me. So was there, and so, so, I, so you, you, you had this blueprint that you could share with them. Right. But because of their, because of the way they go about it, did, did they have the drive to deliver, to execute on the blueprint? Or is that something you had right. to help them develop that, that grit? Yes. Yes. And okay. So uh, both at times so sometimes the drive ends with move to nashville and hope i get lucky but let's be honest moving to nashville is a big leap right yeah so now you've got artists who are really committed they're so committed that they're going to move to nashville and now all they need is guidance yeah and they're not getting it because the music industry is in total flux where they're like okay, do we just wait for people to get lucky on a playlist? And how is that all working? And that's continued on now into now where it's okay, just, I don't know, break on TikTok. Uh, so they don't, so they have all the drive in the world, a lot of them, but they don't have any guidance. Got it. Um, and so and, and would you in. even say that they have a lot of bad guidance out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or, or uh, well, unhelpful or misdirected. It, yes. Majority of it comes from cynicism. Okay. So you've got a lot of like leaders, like if you think about music and if you think about music education, who's the person that you learn most from is from your guitar teacher or from, um, you know, somebody that, maybe washed out yeah right and so like i i'm grateful and feeling uh i feel great for grateful for my ability to not be cynical yeah right like if you look at me you could say like oh that guy washed out but that whole conversation that we had about finishing that makes me mm -hmm. not feel i feel like i yeah. chose this right? it's, it's like, almost I like the people like that are cynical the people that are cynical haven't closed out that part of their story. They got to go yeah. back and do that closing. Right. Yeah. And say, I chose to be here. Yeah. Um, and, but when, when it, when it doesn't go that way for them and they can't find that self-awareness now they're cynical yeah. and then they're but, teaching the next generation it, of yeah, musician yeah. cynicism from the, from day one. Right. But like, I would say it is a hard, like it is a hard pill to swallow to, to accept reality, especially when mm -hmm. it's not the reality you want, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you yeah. lubricate that pill? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, from the beginning, uh, yeah. managing expectations from the beginning, somebody, yeah. uh, so so these young instrumental, uh, young instrumentalists are being told by their guitar teachers, their drum teachers, and people like this, that the music industry is full of, you know, uh, false promises and bad opportunities and they're just getting bad advice from the very yeah. beginning um so trying to catch that early on and yeah and just so so what is it i mean why why not go work for someone why did you start a company like you're now you're starting over in a sense <laughs> that's a um, great question you know so what's what's the opportunity what's the value there that you you saw that like wow this is a yeah this is an oil field that i need to tap into 
there um, well i don't think it's even that i don't think it's even with that kind of clarity i just don't yeah. know anything else yeah right like I'm an i entrepreneur, don't i gotta do it i'm, I'm gonna do something <laughs> employment isn't even an option. I, I will be honest. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever said this. I never even considered trying to get a job. Yeah. And never yeah. even considered it. The only thing yeah. it was music. And then it was like, I could start this company. Yeah. So and in my mind, considered. I would, yeah, you're fully committed to entrepreneurship. There is no looking back by accident. Like yeah. <laughs> to my own uh, to my own chagrin at times, but I mean, but that tracks back to, you know, going to history and stuff that tracks back to even in Flagstaff, like you'll remember like club 111, right? Like you yeah. remember th th that, that was a, a downtown, right? That went on. Yeah. Like a, yeah. like a little venue, right? Like yeah. it was in a, in a dance hall. It was like a ballet studio. Me and my friends in high school, we threw the first show in there. Mm right? Like we rented it from the bar, like, and, and I was like, well, we could rent a PA and we could charge $5 at the door and we could just do this ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and then it went on what yeah. fallout boy panic at the disco, like turned into this real thing. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't do that, but we did the first thing there. So it's, that's just been baked in to me from the beginning. I, I just look for. Yeah. Tools okay. So where, where does your, so you co-founded it with your brother. So how does he come into yeah. the picture and and how does the company take shape? Education is smart, <laughs> you know. He really he's he's been our CFO uh, and now we changed some titles or whatever but uh, vice president and secretary. So he's got the business acumen, you know. Okay. He's got the um, you know, he's got an MBA from ASU. So he left the band a few years early. Um, while I was still cranking and he went back to school and got his MBA and, and he works in healthcare full time now crushing it still in Flagstaff um, doing great, great uh, development work in healthcare systems. Um, and so I think it was over a bottle of scotch one Christmas, we're sitting there and I said, hey, I have this idea for a company and one really important thing in the especially for other, other entrepreneurs that he said, um, and I'm going to credit him with the quote, he might've he might have gotten it from somebody else. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he said, are we building a company or are we starting you a job? And I said, well, both, I guess I need a job. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you tell me, uh, but that really from the beginning, we really structured it in a way that it was like this, we didn't want it built on me or my experience. It wasn't like, let me teach you everything that I know. Got it. We, we wanted a brand that could be trusted for what the brand was so that other people could participate and operate within it. So that's why we named our artist development program zero to 60 by AGD. So it was, by by our company not by me right yeah so it was something beyond anything, you something beyond me and uh and we wanted it to and then the whole time has been improving and increasing processes so that other people could execute yeah um so that it can be a self-sustaining product um so he had that clarity i didn't i, I didn't have that clarity i said i want to work with other artists and help them do what we do so my my intentions and stuff were to help artists and still still are 
yeah. he had the clarity of like, well, if it's just a job for you, then he's like, I'll, I'll help you, but we don't need to start a company, or, yeah. you know, I'll just help you get going. Yeah. Um, now, now a lot but, of people, you know, there would be two camps and everyone in the middle, one camp would say, yeah. you should never work with family. And the other should say, oh, there's <laughs> no one better to work with than family. So how did you reconcile that dynamic in the band and even in the business as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the band was the period of time when you shouldn't work with family. So then the company was the period of time where you <laughs> yeah. can. Uh, we, I mean, we came to we came to blows in the band all the time, but you know, we lived a lot of life during that time. And actually, you know, I haven't shared this too much, but uh, Tim and I had a, a, a pretty difficult uh, difficult time in our teenage years, and we we had a lot of conflict and didn't get along. And I remember. Uh, he uh, he asked me to start playing guitar for his band with uh, Joe Cornelius, okay. uh, with uh, <laughs> the Cornelius group, which was called Strive. Uh. Um, I always loved that. I can still picture the t-shirts, the yellow, <laughs> black t-shirts. But um, but yeah, he asked me to come play guitar for that band, and he told, and I said, "Why are you asking me to come play in your band? Like, I don't think you even like me." And he was like, "Well, that's why." Like we haven't gotten along and I want an opportunity to like get along. So yeah. he kind of olive branched that with the yeah. music. And then that was, it was still tough, you know, for the years uh, doing the band, we had a lot of challenges. Um, but then starting the business felt, you know, fairly easy. At yeah. That point. Yeah. So you've, you've been through a lot, you've learned a lot, you know, tell us, you know, what are the things you tell others when, when it comes to navigating work, working smarter, what does that yeah. mean to you? How do you, uh, how do you live that? How do you counsel others in that? Well, I, I think, I think what we were just talking about is probably the best place to start. If, if you are knowing the difference between freelance work and, uh, building a company and, yeah. and being an entrepreneur and, uh, that same thing back to some realistic expectations. And at a certain point, if you are a craftsman, if you have something that you love to do, that you love doing the work, you kind of have to realize that if you're successful, at some point, if you build a company around what you love to do, uh, the work you love to do, at a certain point, you'll have to stop doing the work and you'll have to start running the company. Yeah. That's just the truth of it. Uh, eventually, the cost of the expertise will go too high where you're going to need to offload work to people who are not as skilled as you. And uh, so the quality of the work's going to have to realistically come down. Um, and so then the brand is going to have to be able to sustain that in some ways, right? Like you're the high top end and you could deliver it to here, but in that transitional point where other people are doing it, you're going to have this kind of like, okay, what level of service are we really bringing here? And what, yeah. you know, what can we match to? And you're going to have to hand it off if you're going to grow as a company. Yeah. So if that's not of interest to you and you want to, then you might be a freelancer mm-hmm. and then you got to raise those prices yeah. as and high that, and as that's, you can yeah. and make your bag. 
And so I think that's the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is the difference between entrepreneurship and companies and having a company that's working and freelance work where you're doing the work. And and I think Tim in starting AGD started us off from the first place. That was his question. Do you want to always be doing this work? And I was like, heck no, (laughs) I want to do this right now. And then I want to train other people to do it. And then I want to, I want to move on to other things. Um, so that's the thing too, is are you going to want to move on to other things? So self-awareness and clarity for the end game. Yeah. Which is something in your business. It's something that you can do that, that is possible. Whereas the band, there's no way to do that with the band, right? The people are the band. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and outside of, um, success, like it's not something you can orchestrate or, tinker you 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 got to get a big hit and you can live off the royalties you know yeah at that point now honestly though strategically you can get you can get strategic as an artist yeah and go i want that mailbox money and you change the way that you're working to try and get revenue generating residuals and that looks like working more towards tv and film placements more more targeted niche and it's and actually my wife and i were just talking about this the other day we were driving down the road and i said you know it would be really great if people who wanted to be famous had the self-awareness to just say i want to be famous and if culturally we could break that down where that's not so shamed just be explicit about your intentions yeah, because if an artist comes in to me and they say, I want to make money uh, making music, I'm like, cool, I can have that done for you in six months if you're any good. And then it's like, er, er, I want to make money making my music. Oh, and by the way, I'd really like to be famous. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, could we have started there? Like, yeah. if we can just start from I want to be famous, yeah. then I get to lay out, <laughs> okay, here's why is that like, going to be yeah. so hard and 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 here's what you're going to have to do and and here's what's not going to be possible for you on the flip side if you really are an artist a musician and you really do want to make a living um just from music it's it's still hard but it's not nearly as hard as being famous yeah so being targeted about that being strategic about that you can set up you can set yourself up where at some point in time you could work a little less yeah. and still be and still be pulling yeah. decent revenue through strategic so, plan. Yeah. And I think the same thing goes for, you know, when you mentioned that, like I think of someone, you know, is looking at being a freelancer or an entrepreneur or you getting yeah. employment, you know, you could go get a job and then just save and invest and, and, yeah. and be very wealthy that way. Right. It's totally. all about whatever context we're in about knowing where we're going and then positioning the factors towards that aim. Totally. People talk about, oh, I don't know what my career should be. Maybe you don't need one. Yeah. <laughs> like go get a job. Yeah. Like a job's not a career and everybody doesn't need to have a career. Like you could have a really good job and uh, do some really good financial planning. And then guess what? Change jobs. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, oh, you're bored. Cool. Change jobs, build your life around 
how much money you make in a realistic and, and good way and find that self-awareness and that happy, that happiness. You don't have to have a career, but that's a certain kind of person that can do a job and not find yeah. identity in that, right? Mm-hmm. Like their identity is not tied to their job. Yeah. That's a certain type of person. If you need to be passionate about what you're working, if you can't uh, compartmentalize, then you need you need a career. And if you're not in one, you need to go find one. Yeah. So, you know? so how do you translate that to the to the personal? You know, how do we unify the work we do with with the personal lives we live? Um, you know, obviously that's something we have to learn, but and sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Yeah. So, how do you reconcile yeah. that? Well, I think most importantly is stuff doesn't make anyone happy, right? Like the most, we, it's, it's some stuff that we've just heard for so long, but like, and I struggle with as much as anybody else is that like success isn't going to make me happy, right? Like um, stuff isn't going to make me happy. I'm, this is my life right now. And if I'm not happy in it right now, I'm not going to be happy in it when I achieve all the things that I've set out to do. So in fact, it might make it worse. (laughs) It might more than likely will make it worse and more than likely will make it worse because you'll get there under duress. You'll probably compromise some things that you wish you didn't compromise and, and things like that. So I think how do we separate it from the personal is to get really personal and uh, find the things that make you happy. So what does make me happy is uh, creating things and building things and working with people and stuff like this, you know, conversations. So building my life in a way where I get to do that is- Living the life you want to live today is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't like toys, right? Like I don't like things, um, but other people do. So like if you- if you really like a like boat, like you want a boat, and if you had a boat and you spent every weekend on your boat, and that is like, man, my life is so good. I work nine to five, and then every weekend I'm out on my boat. Yeah. Right. Then who cares about the nine to five? Don't change a thing. You found your happiness. And it's a vehicle for your boating. <laughs> it's a vehicle for your boating, and that's what makes you happy. So just that self-awareness, I think, is huge. So I think to, how does that hit with the personal is like just getting really personal and, and asking yourself if you're happy and, and um, that's going to tap into stress management. Um, I got sober about two years ago um, as a major component to um, my happiness, uh, you know, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, alcohol didn't, um, get me into trouble it just impeded my happiness it just I was stressed all the time and um and I was medicating yeah so it was about getting personal it's about looking at your life and going like I have these habits getting rid of bad habits so what's the intersection of you did that and now you're not someone might go well I want that, but I feel stuck between those two places. How, what would you say to them? Yeah, clarity. Um, and you might need help to find the clarity, right? Like, it's not just like, oh, you wake up one day. Maybe for some people it is. 
Uh, yeah. It might be therapy, honestly, like yeah. I'm a big proponent of talk therapy, um, but I've also done some EMDR therapy through my uh, journey to sobriety and um, channeling through my divorce and, and stuff like that. And so it's just not, you just can't, you can't separate and compartmentalize like your life is your life. And so as far as entrepreneurship and working and, and, and all that stuff, it's such a big part of our lives as entrepreneurs. It's, it drives us, it, it motivates us and, and it's fun and exciting. And it's what we want to be doing. Like I said, I never, ever thought maybe I could go get a job. Like <laughs> I, I didn't have that. So, so this is a part of me, but it creates, it has side effects the same as anything else. So high stress, high anxiety, uh, imposter syndrome, um, uh, low French, like challenges with friendships, right? Yeah. Like when, when you're constantly selling and creating partnerships and stuff yeah. like that, it's like, Oh wait, you're just a friend. I'm not yeah. supposed to be selling you right now. So all those personal challenges that are side effects from being an entrepreneur or being a career minded person. And it just takes getting clear on what those things are and then doing the work to yeah. make changes to your personal life. So it could be just a diet, you know, it could just be changing your diet, like, you know, or changing your sleep. Yeah. Like one, I was in a career session earlier today. Um, I've been doing these uh, free career sessions for young aspiring uh, music industry professionals. And, um, and she was saying how she never sleeps. Yeah. I was like, dude, you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know their age, uh, but I'm like, you gotta, you gotta sleep. Yeah. It's important. Um, so it just might be changing some habits, you know? So I, I just don't think you can separate how to do the work better, how to work smarter. Honestly, the best way to work smarter is to change your bad habits. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to dive into, cause you, you kind of illuminated a few things really you're talking about several narr the narrative that informs us yeah. and systems that help us. So when yeah. you think about narratives and systems, how, how do you see them? How do they affect you? How, how do they impact you? How do you use them? Yeah. I love systems for other people. <laughs> I don't, it's so weird. I'm really good at creating systems. I'm not good at working with them. Yeah. Um, it, it, like back... you feel constrained by them. What'd you say? Or is it something else? At a certain point. Yeah. I think I build some natural systems. Um, I build some routines. I like routines. And then, and then very quickly when they stop serving me, I'm able to just move on from them or to break my own rules. And that can be confusing for people sometimes. So sometimes my staff, sometimes I need to remind myself that uh, as far as my staff is concerned, I need to stay within my own systems, just as an example even though it may not be impeding things yeah. or I think it's not impeding things, but it might be, I don't know. Uh, that would be some self-awareness work there, but I'm very good at creating. I'm very, like I said, I can, I can watch something happen and I can, and I can mimic it. So in the same sense, I can, I can articulate steps A through Z on how to get to a result. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty good at that. And that's what our whole company is, uh, is built off of is our artist development program is a task list yeah. of things that need to happen. So 
Um, I love systems uh, for that. And, but again, back to self-awareness, you need to determine whether or not you're good at system, whether systems serve you yeah. or not. Um, and how did the, how do narratives tie into that? Or how do narratives affect you? Yeah, time, right? Um, I think narratives hit your time the most, like, and stress and anxiety and depression are all things that we don't give enough credit to how we're out, how much, how much time are you spending scrolling through Facebook or Instagram in a fog, right? And not, and you're going, oh, I really need to stop this. It's or stealing our you? time. Right. stealing our time yeah. and it's just numbing mm. uh, because you're overstressed because you're overworked and um and just changing those habits so i but, i'm yeah go ahead well i was gonna say what what's the story we tell ourselves that gets us to do that maybe it's that gets us to make the change or gets us to well that gets the, us that behavior. to be a zombie on social media where it's not even it's just this mindless thing that's either an escape oh, well, I or think it's, the, it's the lack of the narrative mm. it's the lack of actually the lack of purpose telling, it's yeah the lack of telling the story like okay. it's the lack of exploration am i happy yeah Right, like, am I happy? Sorry, it's, there's a printer going. Is that too loud oh, for you back there? I, I don't hear it, so you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. But so is am that, I distracted? <laughs> am I easily distracted? Well, I think I one thing uh, that comes to mind is I need other people to tell me that I'm happy. Is that part right. of it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I need validations. Yeah, seeking validations. Uh, and and honestly, like that's not so. Like we say that with shame, right? Like we say that with a negative, like, oh, that person just needs validation. No, that person needs validation. Find a way to validate them. Yeah. Like not over and not over and above, like yeah. not superficially, but let's be talking about how, and then like some people don't need validation, but maybe they need quality time, right? Like, or whatever. Yeah. So well, and I, I think it's just about getting clear. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that I think a lot of what you say speaks to, and, and perhaps you could dive in deeper is this idea of, fake it till you make it pretend don't be real when you're trying to say perhaps we go the opposite direction is that what, sure. what i'm hearing what within your, your set like yeah, yeah yeah i think it's well also understanding that you can be real you can be real with yourself but also and and the closer you are to being real with yourself the easier it is to uh have a clear presentation of who and what you're doing to the public that doesn't have imposter syndrome tied to it, right? So fake it till you make it is a funny idea because that's necessary sometimes, right? Like, did I have the uh, actual experience to start coaching artists right when I started my company? Maybe or maybe not, but there wasn't any way that I could get the experience if I didn't just get started. So there's, there's definitely an amount of fake it till you make it and figure it out along the way. So I don't want to knock that. Yeah, that's fine. But have the self-awareness to know when you're faking it and let all of that kind of come up and, and 
and don't be lying to yourself. Don't be lying to others, but present with confidence and then bring the energy, the excitement and the backbone and, and the accountability to say, I'm going to take this contract. I'm going to take this job, even though there's going to be some places where I might have to really learn on the fly and, and I'm, and I'm going to do that. And so I think the clearer you are with yourself and who you are gives you the ability to step into those spaces with confidence, knowing I'm, I'm shooting my shot here. And this is, you know, maybe a bit outside of my scope, but I'm confident in myself that I can rise to the challenge. So the presentation out here to everybody else doesn't have to be the same as what's going on in here. Although I I think what, what you're also implying is, that you're willing to do what it takes to fill those gaps, right? You gotta be. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's a difference I think worth distinguishing because I don't know that everyone is. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. in other words, and if you don't know case, this thing that you've promised, you're going to figure it out and deliver that. Right. Right. And if you can't yeah. do that, uh, don't yeah. say you're gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then that comes back to that self-awareness of like, is that, do you like living that way? I like yeah. living that way. Yeah. To I like learning new things on the fly and stretching myself and growing. That doesn't mean that's the only way to grow. Yeah. You could go and grow um, academically and not pursue things until you've really studied it top to bottom mm-hmm. and tested out on it. You know, yeah. um, that's, you know, yeah. by 17, I was writing essays about <laughs> yeah. how I'm not going to college. So that uh, that's obviously not the path I took, but that's a path. Yeah. It's a real path. So, yeah, yeah but you I took, you right. did, you didn't stop learning. You just, went, I never stopped you, learning. You went, yeah. you learned in a different way than, than the traditional structure. The essay I wrote was an exercise in learning. How's this teacher going to react to this? Yeah. And it, and I was testing Yeah. that interaction. Okay. What's going to, I'm going to do that. Cause I could have, cause I could have wrote an essay about how excited I was to go to college and get an A. Yeah. You know, I could have done that. I <laughs> yeah. chose to learn something by testing the teacher and pushing some yeah. limits and see, you know, so it was learning. Yeah. Um, it, re- it reminds me of, uh, <laughs> I, I once wrote an essay in the 10th grade about my family history, but I made it all up <laughs> yeah. and my my dad found out and he's like, well, you need to tell her. So I had to go confess. And then I had to write another, oh, one. That's but, I, awesome. but I learned a lot in that process. So that was, oh, that's great. <laughs> and, and, and then what do you discover through that? You discover, Hey, maybe I'm a creative writer. Or I'm, I yeah. have some ability to do some stuff that I didn't yeah. know I had. <laughs> so, you know, I think is, I think the big takeaway that I have in, in the working smarter and like that self-awareness and stuff is, and, uh, to that point is just like, yeah, knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your limits, knowing if you like to push your limits, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have yeah. to be a person that pushes your limits, honestly, like, and maybe, if we, in no fact, if ever... we all did that, we might have too much instability. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're dealing with that right now. I yeah. think we have a hustle culture, right? We have people who are, uh, we have a lack of employment right now in uh, a lot of spaces. Um, we have a lot of gig economy, people freelancing, um, yeah. and it's exciting, but do they know the long term? you know, do they know like, oh, this is it forever? Like, yeah. 
as soon as you stop hustling, you stop eating. And that's not something like that yeah. becomes a fear, right? So people start like, oh, I have this, I can do social media management. So they start hustling and getting some clients where they manage like three or four social media accounts. And then one drops off and they're like, oh, I got to go find another one. So they go find another one. And after three or four years of that, they're like, oh my God, I can't, I'm so exhausted trying to find the next client. And you go, hey, what if you just go, you could go work for like an agency. Yeah. And giving that permission. And so, you know, yeah. kind of bringing it full circle, I never for the life of me thought <laughs> that I could go get a job, but I wish I had somebody in my life to tell me that. Yeah. I wish there was yeah. somebody in my life that maybe would have opened that up of being like, well, have you considered finding somebody that would be able to use your skill set and expertise that you would be a valuable part of their team? I don't know if I would have done it, but I didn't, I, it literally was not in my brain yeah. as even an option. And it should have been. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I, I think about a year ago, I found an old letter from like 50, probably like 12, 13 years ago from my second cousin. He, he was here in Atlanta when I moved here and he wrote a letter that was exactly what you said. He said, Jason, I want to give you some advice. I didn't even remember that he wrote the letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, but Not I read enough. it and I was like, yeah. wow, you gave me some really good advice and I completely yeah. ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably ended up taking some of it a little bit yeah. down the road, I think, you know, but that, that was me. And so I hope in my role now as, as I'm, you know, moving into, you know, having run a company for a while and had some yeah. life experience, that's what I'm hoping to instill in people is there's, you know, if you're, if you're clear about your goals, then there's probably some necessary things that you're going to have to do to get there. And there's probably a path that's like, oh, here's where you're going to have these challenges. If you're not clear about your goals, that's okay too. But don't start trying to carve out a path towards one of them. Just be okay in the ambiguity for the time that you're in the ambiguity and make yeah. good decisions about your future as best you can at that time. And what that looks like is not getting into debt, not overextending yourself, trying to find your path when you don't know the things that make you happy and, uh, you know, getting, getting some work done on self, you know, maybe your path hasn't shown up yet because your brain is too consumed with, whatever might be going on in your life. And that might be, um, that might be outside of your control. Right. Um, and let that be okay. Like maybe you got dealt a bad hand and take a minute to let that be okay. Yeah. You know, and then start to say, okay, I've acknowledged that I was dealt a bad hand, but I'm not going to accept being in this place forever and uh and start getting clear on where you want to be so the ambiguity i think we're told that we're not supposed to be in that ambiguity i was definitely messaged that yeah that if i didn't know what was next something was wrong and i'm trying to change a bit of that in my life and in my communities like if you don't know yeah. that's fine well isn't it ironic that when we're young that ambiguity is exciting but as we get older it turns to anxiety <laughs> 
Oh, oh, I yeah, but I had it young. Yeah. Okay. The ambiguity scared me. Got it. From day one, if I didn't know where I was headed and where I was going, or at least presenting that, I felt I had a lot of self-imposed pressure. I don't know where else it came from, but yeah, I'm sure there were other contributing factors. But I had Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure to know what I was doing. Probably from from being so stubborn, saying I wasn't going (laughs) to college, right? (laughs) So I better have an an answer. (laughs) Yeah, if you're not going to go to college, you better have a plan. So probably, yeah, that's that is interesting because there's a safety in just following society's Mm -hmm. tracks, the the trains that are going to different places. So yeah, and and so you know, I'm like, and the problem with that right now, and I think we're all kind of talking about this is that society's track is really freaking expensive and it's, right? a, it's and, going in circles and in weird places and it's going in circles <laughs> so the track is broken yeah the track <laughs> is broken right now and that's where i'm saying like listen 15 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour somewhere you know making a living wage living with a bunch of friends in an apartment and having no clue what's happening in your future is okay yeah yeah, that might be okay. what we've got to do. And we got to be willing to humble ourselves. And that's not always easy. Yeah, for a period of time. And then something yeah. will, uh, something will enlighten yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, when I first started freelancing, I, uh, there was a lady at her church uh, that said someone needed, a business needed help moving boxes. It was something like that. And right. I had some days where I didn't have any paid work. So I went and did it. Turned out she needed a website and she hired me at my full rate to do that. And I would have never done that if I hadn't been willing to go, work, you know, for that 15 bucks an hour. So that's right. And, and opportunity experience learning is everywhere. Right. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a big thing for me right now. So what are your final words of wisdom? Anything you want to share that we didn't get to? Man, final words, wisdom. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think, I think really where we were just at is what's been on my mind a lot is I do believe the track is broken. Um, And I think that our, our mentors don't even know the answers, like where you're turning for guidance, you know, just look behind their eyes and yeah, just ask yourself if they really believe it. That's been eye-opening and, for me. Like people I really yeah. trusted and admired and they don't have an answer. They don't know what and to they do don't have or an they're answer. wrong and, in some very yeah. obvious ways. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, those are good questions when finding a mentor. Like, what have you been wrong about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So maybe that, um, what mistakes did you made, make that you learned from and, and just being cautious to find people who can't answer that? Yeah. Right. So I, but the track is broken. Um, there needs to be, we're like our company is working on some new paths for um, education and training to work in the music business. Cause I think, I think the track's broken. So that's my, that's my big thing is like, if anybody's telling you, just use your gut and read your gut and like be cautious with your spending and your debt. I mean, that's just the biggest thing. Don't, you know, I, I, I went into tens of thousands of dollars of debt to try and break the, the band and, and make the band successful. And I don't regret a penny of that. 
because I knew every bit of it, how hard we were working. And, and that was your college tuition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And I don't regret that. But I hope that everybody else can say the same. And that's not the story that I'm hearing from yeah. people that are like, I spent this much on, you know, uh, higher education without the clarity yep. to go. So I don't have the answers for that, but I just have that cautionary tale of just like, you know, if you're, if you're paying to go to school or whatever, just really, yeah. really know what you're hoping to get out of that and be happy with the, with the results, no matter what, like, yeah, if there's and a count, hopefully count the cost that, before we, before you make the, the decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, you know, for people, for the audience listening, you know, uh, also just don't, if it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, don't think that you need to make it worth it somehow. Mm -hmm. To vindicate yourself. Yeah. Don't try to vindicate yourself. Just get started on what's next, you know? Yeah. Like it's a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stepping stone. It's a learning and take it for what it is, but don't, don't spend a a minute of time trying to validate yourself and something that can't be validated. Yeah. So how can people connect with you, your business? What, where, tell, tell us where to go. Uh, what I'm most excited about right now, and and when you reached out to have me on here, I was like, oh, this is great. I love it. We are, I mean, I'm so excited to be uh, launching the the partner, the side uh, program. So we've been doing artist development for um, 10 years and uh, just about, it's like eight, eight years. I've been doing it about 10, but um, so we've been doing artist development for so long my new journey is starting some um, some professional development. So we'll be training music industry professionals in our program with a new certificate program. So I'm very excited about that. Um, honestly, the best way to connect with me for that is Facebook, okay. um, uh, Nathan Dose on Facebook, and uh, to just shoot me a message or Instagram. I'm on yeah. Instagram and shoot me a message. And we're just doing, uh, just conversation, meeting with people and seeing who's who's thinking, maybe I want to be in the music business. And I, you know, and so who, who is, is get, who are the people that are, that you can exactly. provide the most value to? Well, I, you know, what we, we've been putting out some content, it's been cool to see how it reacts. Uh, people that I'm like, hey, are you really good at researching? Guess what? You'd probably crush it in the music business. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, uh, are you good at email and communication? Like people think the music business has this really high barrier to entry and it's not like some basic soft skills and love for music is about all you need. Yeah. And then work, eth- work ethic and drive because it's not easy to break in. The work's not hard. It's just not easy to break in. So if you come to the table ready to, you know, get the work done and crush uh, it's it's easy to get noticed for being a hard worker got it cool yeah so so it's really anybody in my opinion um and and having some transitional you know the big the big conversation for me is like hey you know get that job that just pays the bills that you're not tied to clock in clock out and find a trade yeah that you're passionate about and start working towards working in that and maybe that's a part-time thing you know and you're yeah. working working your day job and doing it part-time yeah unfortunately that's kind of how it works but um but yeah yeah cool well thank you so much for sharing your life with us today 
but man, just a lot of fun and to get some of those thoughts out and hopefully they help some people and uh, inspire some people. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.